0: Who do you turn to for your health and nutrition advice? As somebody that's knee deep in this every single day, I have a few people that I follow very, very closely. And one of them is Dr. Johnny Bowden. Johnny is a straight shooter. I love the tone and the voice that he has. He is so passionate about his view on holistic health And recently, he caught my attention with an email that he sent out called The Vitamin D Disgrace and why he feels like this is one of the big missing links in our immunity. I reached out to Johnny, who I've had on the show before, and he agreed to come back on and talk about this, and also his latest book, The Great Cholesterol Myth. Johnny is a board-certified nutritionist. He's a PhD, a CNS. He's the author of 15 books, including The 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, Living Low Carb, and the recently revised and expanded The Great Cholesterol Myth. He's the creator of the best-selling internet weight loss program, Metabolic Factor, and also appeared in the documentary, Fat Fiction, narrated by our mutual friend, Dr. Mark Hyman, who I worked with on The Daniel Plan. He is a no-nonsense guy. He's been on Dr. Oz, The Doctors, ABC, basically every morning show in America, and he's a sought-after speaker because he really understands the science as a doctor and fuses that in a way that brings it to life for us as consumers. You'll love his analogies. I think as much as I do, he just brings these ideas to life in such a visual way. And today he's got a lot to share on how we can boost our immunity and really what's behind the myth around cholesterol. This is a what I would consider a life-saving episode. So please make sure you tune in, you let the other people in your life that you care about know about it, because we can't keep this great information to ourselves, and make sure you download the free immunity report that Johnny has put together just for us, and he'll give you those details on how to access it in this episode. So without further ado, let's tune in. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I wanna welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me, and let's squeeze the joy out of this life, because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Johnny, it's so great to have you back on the podcast.
1: I'm delighted to be here with you. I'm, You're one my of my favorite neighbor, people... My new neighbor.
0: I know, I love it. You're one of my favorite people to talk to, because I think you are so... First of all, knowledgeable, and you have the cred to back you up. But I think you're really on the forefront of uh, understanding what is happening to us as a whole through nutrition. And that really is is where my heart is, too. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now with COVID. I had read uh, an email report, and I read all your emails that you send out, talking about vitamin D. Can we dive into that and get your well, viewpoint on what the relationship is between vitamin D deficiency and susceptibility to getting COVID and other disease?
1: Yeah. Vitamin D is kind of like the adult in the room. For the, <laughs> it's kind of like the adult that goes into the sandbox and makes everybody play well together. So in your immune system, you've got all kinds of cells, T cells, B cells, antigen sensing cells, and every one of them virtually every one of them. It might be an exception I don't know about, but every cell in the immune system, every class of cell has a vitamin D receptor on it. Why is that? Because vitamin D is a kind of modulator of immune system function. Now think about the immune system. It can go wrong two ways. If it's underactive, if it's sluggish, if it doesn't respond to a challenge very well, you're going to get sick not just with COVID, with everything, you're gonna get sick more often because your immune system is sluggish. That makes total sense, right? right? If it's too active, you've got a whole host of autoimmune diseases just waiting to be triggered, right? You don't want your immune system grabbing the guns and shooting at every stranger because some of those strangers are friendly, right? So you want an immune system that's balanced. It's not too active because then you're looking at an autoimmune disease and it's certainly not too sluggish. Vitamin D is kind of the modulator. It comes in and says, play nice, everybody. You guys, you're too active. Calm down. You guys, you got to wake up and start to get more active. You don't have enough vitamin D. Nothing works right. And immunity is really just one of the many examples of that. It's also bone health and mood and physical performance in older age. All of these things, there con- must be 100 different conditions listed on the Vitamin D um, Council's website that are linked to low levels of vitamin D, and most of us have low levels of vitamin D. I, I find it mind-blowing hmm. that our public health officials, while talking and talking about distancing and, and washing the hands and, and all of these good, smart practices, are not screaming from the podium that they have that every human being in America should be taking vitamin D every single day. I do not know why they're not doing that.
0: I've been, I'm in the same camp as you wondering why we're not addressing nutrition. Our like literally malnutrition and the relationship between that and getting sick. But why are we deficient in vitamin D? I mean, what is it that we're not getting in our daily lives? How about
1: sunlight? Let's start with sunlight. We have been so conditioned to be afraid of skin cancer And melanoma, even though melanoma is one of the least common skin cancers, it's it's not a very common one. It's very fatal, but very dangerous, but it's not even the most common one. But we're so afraid of that. And we've been so hammered about it, just like we have about cholesterol and saturated fat and all the other things we've been hammered about that turning out to not be 100% true, that everybody slathers on SPF 50 to walk to the store and get a Quarter milk. I mean, nobody's getting sun, not like we used to. Then you have other things. You have pockets of areas where there isn't that much sun. You have um, African-Americans who are more at risk for vitamin D deficiency. Um, And then you have this fortification nonsense in which foods are fortified with an inferior form of vitamin D called D2, which should just be off the market completely because it's useless compared to D3, which is the active form, which they don't use for fortification. So nobody's getting enough. It's just that simple. You need to supplement with vitamin D. And there's more to the vitamin D story than that. The one hit against vitamin D. The one thing that makes me pause in saying every American should be taking 5,000 IUs a day is that vitamin D has been linked to an increased risk of kidney stones in some people. That's Mm -hmm. true. But more and more evidence from functional medicine tells us it may not be the vitamin D. It may be the fact that vitamin D isn't being balanced with two other fat-soluble nutrients. And when it is, you don't see that increased risk in kidney stones. For example, it's very much like the sodium or the salt fear that we have in this country. And many people in functional nutrition like myself or functional medicine will look at that and say, I wonder if it's really too much salt or not enough potassium, because salt and potassium have to be in balance. And we don't get much potassium. We get a ton of sodium. So maybe it's more a question of balance. Same thing with omega-3s and omega-6s. Everybody, including myself, has kind of railed on omega-6s because they're pro-inflammatory, but we need them both. The problem problem isn't omega-6s per se, it's the lack of balance between 6 and 3. So your inflammatory army is being funded with all these crappy oils, and your anti-inflammatory army, which is funded basically by omega-3s, is kind of getting bankrupt. Mm -hmm. They're not in balance. And I believe the same thing is true, maybe true, with vitamin D and the risk for kidney stones. Make sure... Make sure that you're getting some vitamin A in your multi, and most important, because this is not in multis most of the time, that you're getting vitamin K2. This is a supplement I have no financial connection with that I have been using with myself, my family, any friend who asks me about it, anybody who asks me about vitamin D, I just, it's inexpensive and it's made by a, a real high-end company called Protocol for Life. Are, you can Everything we may talk about, including the special uh, book that I put together for your listeners, oh. is available on Rockwell Nutrition slash Immunity.
0: Rockwell Especially Nutrition immunity. slash Immunity, and we'll put that in the show notes so everybody. Yeah, including the, including the
1: high there. quality supplements, but yeah. in the one I recommend for for example has I could run and get it and show it to you if you want. But it's got not only vitamin D, but it's got a really nice healthy dose of K2. Why do we need these? Why do we? Why is there a problem with too much D absent of any? Balancing A or K2. Okay. What does D do? It acts it, among the hundreds of things it does. One of the main functions it does is it helps to keep calcium in the bones where it belongs. Right. When you're taking calcium, you want it, you, you want it to go to the skeletal system, bones, teeth, that kind of thing. When it winds up in the arteries, you're in trouble because that's calcification of the arteries, hardening of the arteries. Remember we heard that as a kid? That's calcium in the arteries. You don't want it there. Vitamin D helps get it to where it goes, but vitamin K2 acts as a traffic cop and makes sure it does not stay in the arteries where it can contribute to heart disease if, if the calcium stays there and all kinds of other metabolic mischief. You want that traffic cup and K2 is the traffic cup. That's why it's good for the heart and the brain because it keeps, and the bones, because it keeps calcium in the bones where it belongs and out of the arteries going to the heart where it does not belong. I love that analogy
0: because balance. I think, you know, a lot of our listeners too, and are following are women and women really need to be careful because of osteoporosis and all kinds of other issues surrounding lack of vitamin D or, in this case, calcification, because heart disease is the number one killer of women. So you see how these all go hand in hand, but here, here I'm sort of baffled again. Why isn't anybody talking about K2
1: but you? Well, first of all, it's not... Thank God it's not just me. Uh, the <laughs> well, you're the only person that I hear actively talking about it. You talk about, uh, I mean, women, well, we all do, but women particularly, have gotten such crummy advice from mainstream medicine. You know that there are still doctors. I have a lot of things that trigger head explosions. So if you see me like scanners, <laughs> my head's starting to explode. Doctors are still telling women to take Tums for calcium? Tums. As Tums, a calcium supplement. that a crappy antacid that's made of calcium carbonate. That's what there's, oh, you need more calcium, Mrs. Jones, get some Tums. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. So you ask why they're not telling people to get it with K2. They don't even know that there's a difference between vitamin D3 and vitamin D2. Mm-hmm. Doctors, let everybody, please, everybody, understand this. Conventionally trained doctors don't get any nutrition courses at all all. This has been in the journals. It's in the literature. You can look it up. Maybe 25% of medical schools in this country offer one nutrition course. And if you took high school home ec, you know as much as they know. (laughs) So please don't listen to your doctors about nutrition unless they've been certified or they have some advanced education in nutrition. Many of them do. I see them all at the conferences. It's a small portion of the number of doctors that most of us go to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know. You know, we both have worked with Dr. Mark Hyman, and I was listening to him just it's recently. sorry, Now
1: you're talking the, you know, the best of functional medicine, and there are wonderful doctors like that. That's what functional medicine is. It looks at how the body functions, and you cannot look at that without understanding nutrition. So all doctors who are certified in functional medicine know this stuff about nutrition. Almost all naturopaths know this stuff because it's already baked into their education. Right. Who doesn't know this stuff is the people who went to Harvard Medical School school never took a nutrition class. And that includes Harvard. I used Harvard as an example because it happens there and it happens at every lower end medical school as well. They just don't take nutrition seriously. They don't study it and they don't really in their gut believe it matters that much.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and look, every disease, I think we can trace to a lack of something. I mean, and conventional medicine really treats a symptom versus treating the cause How do you think we should be getting? I mean, is supplementation the best way to get D3 versus D2? And the same with K2? I mean, or can we get it from food? Or is our food so void of nutrient content now? I mean, you're talking about fortification with really the wrong type of D. How do we get it and know that we're getting it the right way?
1: Sunlight and and it's 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 really sunlight practical. It's impractical to really get people to turn that around right now. So, I I just tell people just supplement with the really it's and and I just a a very fast shout out for the difference in quality between supplements that you buy in big box stores Mm -hmm. and doctor brands. I call them doctor brands because they're the ones we use and they're usually only available through dispensaries. Uh, or professional things like that. Really, it makes such a huge difference. I worked in New York when I was starting my career in the 90s. I worked in a doctor's office in New York who was in, in the beginning of functional medicine days. And he had a sign in his office. And he said, there's three things in life don't look for bargains for. One of them is a parachute. (laughs) <laughs> the second is tattoos and the third is nutritional supplements. The difference between the crap you get at a, a big box drugstore that came from China and may or may not have what it says it has on the label, the difference between the lowest end and the highest end is a few bucks. That's not where you save time it's uh, save money. So get the good stuff. It's all linked at rockwellnutrition.com slash immunity. You'll get the free report and I'll tell you where I get, where I send my patients to get supplements There's a dispensary. You can, uh, sign up and get your own account and you should shop there. It may be a couple bucks more expensive, but the same products on Amazon, a good double digit percentage of them are it. So I would- well, I, I would, think
0: you, inv- you invest in your health now or you pay in healthcare right. later. So, you know, being preventative and our listeners really understand that. They understand that taking- their health into their own hands. And look, coming off of the heels of what we've endured over the last year, I don't think anybody would disagree that taking care of
1: our health is our number one asset. Indeed, you- at the top of the list, there are others, obviously, but I do want to mention because I, I don't, I'm not advocating the position that the problem with COVID is we're not taking enough supplements. That's not what I, I would like to tie it- up with, and I know that we have, you have limited time, but the, in my take on COVID is that we wouldn't be dying at the rate that we're dying at if there weren't underlying metabolic conditions. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yep. I don't think that if you change your diet, nobody would get COVID. I'm not saying that. I don't think if you changed your diet, nobody would die. I think that what we have on our hands here is a very virulent and nasty little virus but it's killing more people than it needs to. And my theory about that comes out of the book that we just researched for the last couple of years. Which we're going to talk about. But but it's very related to this because here's what we found. And this is pre-COVID. We found this, you know, that book got published in the later part of 2020. So it was finished. The writing was already done. We had never heard of COVID. Mm. What we found, though, was the prevalence of a condition called insulin resistance which underlies prediabetes, mm-hmm. diabetes, obesity, heart disease. It's the best predictor for heart disease long range. Forget cholesterol, it's part of one of the myths. Insulin resistance shows up 10 years before your doctor says, your cholesterol is a little high, Mrs. Jones. And it shows up 10 years before he says, he or she says, uh, Mrs. Jones, you know, your A1C, it's going up. I think you might be prediabetic. Let's get you on metformin. That hap- Those are late markers insulin resistance. What's the relevance? Look at all of the comorbidities for COVID. What are they? Hypertension. Diabetes That's part of hypertension is part of, of all of what we're talking about. It's the first sign of pre-diabetes. And there's diabetes, there's diabetes, there's obesity, there's heart disease, there's Alzheimer's, which we're now calling type 3 diabetes, because it's got the same root, which is insulin resistance. And then there's these three outliers that I was puzzled by. I'm putting this hypothesis together and say, holy moly, insulin resistance which can be treated and fixed by diet. Insulin resistance is underlying all these pre-existing conditions for COVID. But what about liver and lung? I never heard of that. spent a morning on the National Institute of Medicine library. Anybody can do it. PubMed.gov. Started looking up the connection between insulin resistance and liver disease, insulin resistance and lung disease, insulin resistance and kidney disease. Bingo. It's connected to all of them. So... The relevance of what we discovered in the great cholesterol myth is that there's a metabolic condition that underlies all of the pre-existing conditions that ogre very badly for you if you contact COVID. What could be more relevant than fixing that? And you can treat it, prevent it, or reverse it with diet alone. You don't need drugs. This is a big deal. Yes. This is a big deal. and I
0: I, This needs to be heard because I think... You know, we are here and I, don't get me wrong because I don't want anybody saying, well, Maria, you're like m- propagating, you know, infection. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not oh saying. Oh my God, neither
1: be- am I. I'm like, saying add a couple of things here and change your damn diet. And exactly. you let's get to the root of it is what we're saying. And And let me say this. My my overall philosophy about any of these things is, and, and it's my personal philosophy as well, is that there are things that are out of your control and things that are in your control. And one of the greatest things, one of the greatest pieces of wisdom you can achieve, is knowing the difference. It's basically the Serenity Prayer, right? And it's yes. all of stoic and it's all of <laughs> stoic philosophy, which started 2,300 years ago. It's the same thing. Know the difference. So we have put all this energy into social policy about COVID basically stuff you and I can't, I mean, maybe large actions by government agencies can control things, but you and I really can't control the virulence of the virus. We can do the smart things, you know, to protect ourselves. But what we can control, what's really under our control is our ability to be stronger in the face of it. So if you got a hurricane threatening your home on the Florida coast. You can't change the course of that hurricane, but you can damn well build a stronger foundation for your house. Yes. So my the last year of my videos on YouTube and my columns and my articles has the focus has been guys do everything Fauci is saying to do. He's smart. Yeah. he's Great. Yeah. Do those things. But yeah. God. What about your own ability to fight these things off? Everyone was, I've never had more questions about how do I fortify my immune system? Well, that's a great thing that we're doing it now. I've been doing it essentially for 30 years. So I wasn't that worried about what would happen if I got it. And guess what? I got it. And guess what? I recovered. Now, that doesn't prove anything. It's an N of one, but it's kind of what I expected. I wasn't in terror of getting it. I did all the smart things. And I've been, but I've been fortifying this house for a long time. I figured if I got it, I'd probably survive. And I did. Yeah. Did you get it? I got it. You did. Yeah. How did it, it, what kind of symptoms did you have? I had the flu symptoms for about two. Michelle and I both got it. The kids got it. The kids had no symptoms. Michelle and I, uh, a sleepless night, some aches and pains. I think the, the worst part of it, Marie, to tell you the truth, was the psychological anxiety, thinking, well, these symptoms aren't that bad. But you know how they say you could have symptoms one day and then you could feel a little better and then you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> the, it was more than.
0: I'm certain that the psychological part of it was is probably more. It, 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 it for senses. people than anything. But here's the deal. I mean, you and I know because we've lived this world for a long, long time that there is proof to taking care of your body over the long haul. But how do you treat? the psychological, the mental torment that this has placed on a lot of people. Because what we know people do when they are not able to control a situation is they will lean into comfort food, quote, comfort food. They will lean into maybe drinking. They will lean into sitting on the couch and binge watching Netflix. Like the habits that have-
1: Wait, we're not supposed to do that? No.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, I, not that I binge watched anything. No, right? never. I would never be. Um, But But what I'm saying is we have a tendency to, rather than embracing what we know we should be doing and what we know should be good for us as a habit, we go into this like mode of panic and that panic leads us to a place where we don't think straight. So how do you feel like, and, and I know this is a little bit maybe off topic, but- How do we balance the mental piece? And then I want to talk about your book.
1: (laughs) I I think, you know, my my training before I did this, I I was planning on being a clinical psychologist. So I I have a master's in psychology. I stopped after the master's. But my, my thinking about that is you handle it the same way you handle what we're talking about. Mental metabolism and physical metabolism are just two parts of the same continuum and they merge all over the place. So in metabolism, in physical metabolism, the, the holy grail, everything I've been writing for the last, I don't know how many years, has been towards building a fat burning metabolism, a flexible metabolism that can deal with both starch and sugar if it has to, but also can access fat. That's a flexible metabolism. Well, a mental metabolism that's flexible can deal with both happiness. And sadness and joy and tragedy and all of these things because we're more flexible mentally. And building that flexibility mentally involves a lot of things that are kind of analogous to what we have to do physically. We have to change some habits. We have to understand how conflict fits into our lives and to turn some of that into opportunities. And I am not saying that this hasn't been devastating for people and changed their lives and lost loved ones and all of that, but I'm saying in general. In general, we could get better at handling stresses and handling challenges. You say when something like this hits us, we all go nuts and we eat comfort food and we binge. Okay. If you were walking down the street and a really threatening situation developed. Yeah. And it looked like you were going kind to of be surrounded and maybe robbed or beaten up or just roughed up a little bit. You'd probably be terrified and you'd turn to all kinds of like, what should I do? And, you know, your, your, your mind would be in the kind of state that you're describing that we've been in with COVID, only we're reaching for comfort food. Well, mm-hmm. what do you think an eighth degree black belt would feel if that person, if he or she ran into that same challenge? They're ready. Well, they wouldn't feel as panicked. They'd go, okay, I don't know what this is. Three guys, guys here? Hmm. They wouldn't feel as panicked because they already, they have rehearsed in their mind some conflicts. They have practiced dealing with day-to-day frustrations, like dealing with spectrum cable, which would drive anybody crazy. <coughs> Practice those things and practice some serenity in the face of challenges. And this is how you build a flexible mental metabolism. And that's why some people, you know, you they can't get a pink iPhone and they're ready to have a suicide attack. And other people like can seem to navigate some of the most stressful and distressful distressing situations and they seem to be able to float with it because they are better cushioned they're better equipped they're more like that fifth degree black belt and that's what i encourage people to do the time to fix all this obviously ideally is not while you're flying the airplane that's not when you want to fix right. it so i just urge people All of you that are caring about your your physical metabolism and what you eat and how you exercise and how much sun you get, also pay some attention to how you handle things mentally.
0: Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right, it's not enough. That's why we created the only all natural and patented line of food wash and wipes and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless and lab tested and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, eating fun, and this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's going to do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. cleaner. April of last year I was playing basketball with my son and my husband and I tore my ACL and oh. my meniscus. I, it was pretty bad. And then I went and played tennis a couple of weeks later which was really dumb. But after that I I went into a bit of a depression because I couldn't move the way I was used to. I've never torn anything. Knock on wood. And I really had to kind of just come to terms with a different approach to healing and slowing down a little bit. And now I am happy to say, just with taking a lot of collagen and I think eating right and supplementing, I didn't have surgery. I can run, I can jump, I can do everything that I was doing before but it required me to just calm myself down a little bit because when you are a type a or you're like a hyper producer and you can't go out and do all of the things that you want to do it it, it like takes a toll on you mentally but i created a new ritual i know i love walking i mean walking to me is like i put on my headphones i listen to a podcast And that is my time in my head to get creative. And I wasn't doing that before. I was always just like, go, 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 go to a class, go do this. I had every minute scheduled. And I think being open to a new mind opening practice, a gratitude practice. I know that word is kind of a little overused, but really taking that time to be good to yourself and by doing that. It gives your body-mind connection a chance to reboot. Because I have a lot of friends who are like, they've injured themselves over the last year. It's not ironic. It's it's part of the stress reaction. And we've all had to create new normals for ourselves.
1: That's correct. And, and I agree with you. And um, we could talk about this all day.
0: I know. I know. Well, let's talk about your book. Because I'm really excited about your book, The Great Cholesterol Myth. Because cholesterol is this word that nobody seems to understand. Do you get it from food? Your body produces it. How does the two relate? Can I eat eggs? What about dairy? Lots and lots and lots of questions. What Can you distill down what you found in your book?
1: Cholesterol, as you and I know and love it, HDL, LDL, good cholesterol. You can see if you're watching this instead of listening to it, that I'm making a very sarcastic gesture in saying good and bad cholesterol, it's an antiquated way of looking at it, but that's what we know of it. I think the number one takeaway myth is that your high LDL cholesterol does not, does not, let me repeat that, does not (laughs) cause heart disease. Hmm. It's a factor. Uh, somebody, somebody worked just wrong. Nine or 10th <laughs> on the list of factors. And the punchline of all of this is that we're talking about cholesterol, whether it does or does not do whatever it does or does not do, but we're measuring it wrong. Hmm. Now, you live in California. I'm going to hope that there are people who could relate to this even if they don't. Yeah. So we have in California very strict emissions tests for our cars. And you and I get those notices every so often that the car is more than a couple of years old. You need a smog t- uh, test and you have to go to a special smog station where there are specially calibrated machines and they will tell you if you passed the smog test. And if you didn't pass the smog test, well, then you have to have a lot of money or a lot of repairs uh, that have to be done in order to make it ready for, for a smog t- checking is that fairly accurate for yeah companies? yeah oh, yeah i have one oh, of those cars by the way great so suppose yeah. you go to the store just like everybody else you're doing what you were told to do you take your car in and they test it out and they say you know what this is really a toxic waste dump you got to have this that and the other done It's has gone it cost you about seventeen hundred dollars go down and do it you'd be upset but you do it because two reasons one you don't want a toxic waste dump you're a good citizen and you don't want to be doing that and two because you have to right? Yeah. What happens if there's an expose and it turns out that that machine that you've been going to, that smog check machine, where you've been putting all this money to repair things because of bad reports, hasn't been calibrated since 1963 and it's highly inaccurate. What if you found out that there are toxins that weren't invented in 1963 that aren't even in the algorithm? And what if you found out that a large percentage of people who have gotten a clean bill of health from that smog chest are actually driving smog, you know, toxic waste dumps and other people like yourself who got a, you better fix this. This is very dangerous are actually driving the equivalent of a Prius. Hmm. How would you feel about that? That's frustrating. Okay. So we, well, let's go to, let's, let's make the analogy complete. You go to your doctor, they do an HDL LDL test. They say, oh, Mrs. Jones, your LDL. Your total cholesterol is 240. We've got to put you on a statin. Okay, we'll do LDL is is too high. We're going to put you on a statin. How is that different than the smog chest? We have been putting people on medications based on a measurement that was created in the 60s, which has been so past its expiration date for so long that it's almost mind-boggling. Let me give you an example. We thought there were two kinds of cholesterol. That was pretty good for 1960. We now know there are 13 different forms of cholesterol. We now have nuclear magnetic resonance. We can go in, look in the cell, see what it's doing, see the size of the LDLs, which matters a lot, see Mm. the number of LDLs, which matters way more than the cholesterol cargo that they're carrying. And doctors aren't using that test? Are you crazy? Why not? I mean, is it because- Why not? it's not well, been refined how enough. easy do you think it is to get people to change an institutional thing that's been yeah. in existence since the 1980s
0: mm-hmm. well There's it a just 31 it, 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 billion dollars let me let me let me tell you johnny because on the other side of the the spectrum i mean as a woman i've seen you know when i was pregnant i know that there were sonograms and the tests and all kinds of genetic testing that could be done to proactively you know help treat any syndromes or any issues now i mean just a few years later the technology is like leaps and bounds more progress why is it with that but not with something like cholesterol
1: at some point they'll retire this god awful good and bad cholesterol test and replace it with one of the more modern tests which by the way are given by labcorp they're given by quest this isn't some You know, esoteric lab like Great Smokies where you go for organic acid testing and it's very advanced in function. No, these are regular labs that you you and I go to all the time, Quest and LabCorp. Those are the main ones. They've been testing like this for years. Hmm. Why don't doctors do it? Insurance doesn't cover it or they don't want to cover it because it's another thing they have to cover. Doctors don't know about it because they're just fed the information that they're fed and they don't look very much past that. Um, There's a million reasons why the the institution doesn't change and and adapt to those much more advanced and correct tests. See, we're not saying cholesterol makes no difference. We're saying cholesterol as you're measuring it at that that out of date. That's, not an about, that's That doesn't make any difference. Right. You need to look at the. And I'll give you a perfect example. I'm an example of under treatment. We we mostly talk in the book about how many people are on statins that don't need to be because they're. They're being prescribed to those people based on a test, which is no longer the state of the art. And, and which, you know, and other tests would show, Hey, this guy really doesn't need to be on a statin, but the opposite happens. Hmm. My good and bad cholesterol tests have been perfect for most of my adult life. Doctors love them. Oh, Mr. Bowden, you're never going to have a heart. Well, when I learned this information, I junked the HDL-LDL test and started having the real test, the NMR particle test, where you find out how many particles you have. Particles meaning lipoproteins, LDLs. Remember, high density, LDL, low density. LDL is the boat. Cholesterol is the cargo. Mm-hmm. Cholesterol is just something carried by the LDL. What really causes problems is when there's too many LDLs. It doesn't matter how much cholesterol they're carrying. What matters is how many boats are in the water, because the more boats in the water, the more likelihood somebody's going to bump, mm. and somebody's going to have an accident. The more people in a bar, the more likelihood, even if they're lovely people, somebody's going to spill a drink, somebody's going to get pissed I love up. your analogies, by look, the way. It just brings it to Look me. at the number of LDLs. Not yeah. okay. Look, this was, I'll give you a great analogy of this. If you're trying to prevent a boating accident in the marina. What you wanna know is how many boats are in there. You don't care how many towels those boats have in their restroom. You care how many boats there are to bang into each other. It's the yeah. same with cholesterol. We're measuring the cargo. We need to be measuring the boats.
0: So aside from measurement, and what was the name of the test that you mentioned? That There are many. Are each, each
1: lab has their own name for it because it's a, now it's something that they all compete with. And LabCorp wants you to do theirs. They call theirs, I think, the LPIR test. Uh, uh, Quest calls it the particle test, the NMR particle test, the advanced lipid profile. They all have a different name. They all measure the same thing. Modern way of looking at cholesterol.
0: Hmm. And so can we talk about food? Yes, we should definitely talk about cholesterol because that one day I'll read a study that says eggs are good. The next day it's bad. The next day, I don't
1: know. what are are good, ladies and gentlemen. You don't even read anymore on this 20-year discussion that's been going on. The only reason, the only reason ever that anybody told you not to eat eggs is because they have cholesterol. But even going back to the original theory, they always knew that what you ate didn't matter. Is part the cholesterol you eat doesn't matter. Cholesterol's made in the body. Yes. 80% of it is made in the liver, is made in the body. If you don't eat any, if you just eat those stupid egg white omelets, guess what? The body makes more to make up for it. If you eat a lot of egg yolks and you're eating a lot of cholesterol, the body doesn't make as much because it wants your cholesterol to be in that. It doesn't want it down to zero. It, it needs wants it, it in the energy. zone. It needs it for sex hormones. It needs it for vitamin D. You asked, why are we all vitamin D deficient? There's another reason. The parent hormone is cholesterol.
0: I interviewed... One of my recent interviews, we were talking about women's sexual health. We were talking about how cholesterol is so intrinsically intertwined into our libido. And women who have no sex drive, where they're just like, uh, that's the last thing I'm thinking about, because they restricted their diet so much, big part. They're of putting themselves into harm's way in a big more than we've ever realized. So, so just to clear the air a little bit,
1: eggs are. It's not just a matter of. Oh my eat, god! I, I'm so sick of that egg controversy. They are fine. The only every so often some jerk from the American Medical Association says no, you can't eat them because don't forget they're high in cholesterol. It's antiquated information. Eggs
0: are but, one of the best. Can we can we say Johnny that it's it, that there are better choices? For example, no, more, no, exactly. not even that, huh?
1: island with maybe five foods eggs would be one of them even if even what, what about cage-free versus organic or i always, yes let me make a caveat about yeah. my recommendations about meat and eggs and all i eat i'm a big meat eater if the only meat that was available the only eggs that were available came from factory farms i'd become a vegan yeah so the vegans are right about that factory farms are horrible places where anyone who cares about animals would just get sick the way they're treated and the way they're treated physically, the hormones, the antibiotics, the steroids, the, the bovine growth hormone, the pesticides that the food has, the, yeah. the it's just, and so of course all of those toxins go into the fat, because that's where we store fat, the toxins, everybody, um, goes into the fat of those animals, I wouldn't touch them. I agree, but there is another choice. There are humanely raised cows on grass, grass-fed pasture raised from small farms. Is it a little more expensive? Is it a little more difficult to find? Wow. Yes. Is it worth it? 100%. Same thing with eggs. You want cage-free. I mean, if you had no cage-free, I'd probably eat the other kind as well. But you want the kind, really, from the chickens on the farms I saw when I was a child on, on, yeah. on going up to the upstate New York. And they would have some cows and they would have some chickens. You could eat, eat those eggs all day long.
0: Yeah. And I do, you know, we talk a lot about sustainability and, and, you know, how the animals are raised and regenerative agriculture and, you know, really doing our part in being good citizens and, and good eaters and supporting those, those foods. You know, I think it's interesting as a country that we spend so little on food and we complain about it while we have no problem dropping money on nonsense. Mm-hmm. I mean, how important is it? That And I, I'm asking you a, a, an esoteric question that I already know the answer for, but I want to hear your response. How important is it that we actually spend the money on foods to feed us right?
1: I think it's life and death. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm older than most of the people in my audience. By a few decades, I just turned 74.
0: Yeah, no, you nice. didn't, Johnny. It's worth it. You did not. You're I did in so.
1: such good shape. So you want to know what I spend on vitamins a month and food and stuff like that? I don't spend it on wine. I don't spend it on alcohol. I don't spend it on expensive hobbies. Yeah, it's worth it. I'm 74. I play tennis two hours a day. I am happy, excited, enthusiastic about life, and I don't have an energy problem. And you can't tell me that doesn't have something to do with the food I eat every day, and the vitamins that I take, and the sunshine that I get. Yeah. Yeah. So my opinion, yeah, it's worth it. Looking down the road, you go, Yeah, but you know, is it worth it in the long run? I'm the long run, dude.
0: I have this I have this little thing with my husband because we, you know, obviously I'm making most of the food decisions and he, you know, is a little more lenient and he'll say, Oh, I got this on sale, or there'll be sugary cereal in the pantry. And I'm like, Look. You can eat that, but I'm The meals I make are going to be done the way I make them with the ingredients that I buy. And how do you find that balance? Like if you're in a family where, you know, you're having a hard time getting people on board to eating the way that you know is the right way to, to go, how do you bring them on board with you? So, so that nobody sinks
1: by themselves. That's out of my pay scale. I, <laughs> as I told you earlier offline, my partner of 11 years, Michelle, and I have two separate houses. She lives, the kids live with her. That's how we met. It was like that. And so I don't have that personal experience with kids, and, and I've watched other people struggle with it. But I think the answer is people go to podcasts like yours, they exchange information peer to peer, and there are ways to deal with it. They're beyond my expertise, but I know it's a very, very important thing to do. I can give you one example. My uh, partner at rockwellnutrition.com, Anika Rockwell, I met her when her child was four. And that was the only child I had ever seen who had been raised from infancy on this kind of food. There was no junk food. They never had it. And I watched this four-year-old. Can I have some more broccoli? Can I have that drink with spirulina? This is all she ever ate. And guess what? She didn't miss it. Now, when she went, she's 16 now, when she went to school. Of course she sees birthday parties of course she sees junk food they were, they were trained from the beginning it's not like you can have a treat yeah we can have some junk today we'll have a little junk once in a while but then we're going back to eating healthy and it just changes everything now can you do that with kids when they are already ten and you're now you're getting delight and you're understanding how important it is it, it's got to be brutally hard but I know that kids model what their parents do and if you get rid of that stuff and it's not in your house and you're not eating it and the only thing that's open in the refrigerator when they come home from school are grapes, bananas, apples, string cheese, full fat cheese. Guess what? They'll grumble a couple days and then they'll just.
0: Yeah. And I, I am so down with that. I mean, I, and that's really what I teach in my book. You know, you can retrain taste buds but your brain has to be on board. So
1: show I, you how, how long, I'm going to give you a past example. And I know we have to go. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of my early influences in, on nutrition, Linda Lazat, who was one of the founders of Designs for Health, a great vitamin company. Ooh, oh yeah. You can get on the dispensaries that I was talking about. She had three kids at the time. And I said, Linda, what do you do? They want to eat this crab Cheerios and, and, pe- and, you know, peanut butter. She says, oh, I changed the box. I give them the stuff I want. I put it in the cocoa cuisine. They don't know the difference. Yeah. And I tried that it's when Michelle was I mean Michelle had to was out of commission for a couple of weeks She had a little procedure a few years ago, and i I had made the kids things like peanut butter, and I said, "Why are you using this? you know and I mentioned the the two nationally known brands yeah, that are yeah, well, that's all they'll eat. I said, "No, no, they'll eat organic natural peanut butter, and they'll love it. no, they won't. What do you think I did? You put it in the container? I emptied the Skippy and the Jiffy, emptied it, put in the the chunky organic. Do you think that they noticed or cared or didn't like it? Isn't that something?
0: Gosh, that's brilliant. As a mom of now five, you know, and the truth is, I think when they are part of the process and when they're involved and they have a hand in pushing the blender button that has the spirulina and the kale and all that. It does make a difference, but I think the same thing goes for adults. It's never too late. Start one bite at a time and grab your book Johnny, can you just mention one more time, the website is rockwellnutrition.com forward slash immunity. And and they're going to get an immunity report, uh, Ukraine.
1: And I know that I wrote it, but it really is good. I put so much time into it. It's literally the top dozen supplements for immunity. And what they do, and I give you brand recommendations, none of which I own. These are the brands I use. These are the ones I recommend. Um, you don't have to use those, but those are the ones I know to be really doctor brands, highly vetted, you know, tested, assayed, all that stuff. And I tell you what these 12 things would do, how you can combine them. You don't need to take all of them, but at least you'll know what they do and how they are. And even talk a little bit about the stuff we were talking about earlier, which is the mind-body connection, the stress connection. Remember, stress eats up vitamins yes and and makes you far more vulnerable to to these kinds of challenging things they, they, And that's why we
0: need to rest and sleep and do all those good things and we're so
1: go get that book it's rockwellnutrition.com forward slash immunity and you can get my book the great cholesterol myth and all the others that i've written on amazon or any online bookseller
0: awesome you're amazing thank you for just being a champion and so passionate about um, your message. I love your passion. I really think we have a lack of it. And your passion is what helps get the message out. So just thanks for being I a warrior.
1: Think about it. You're quite a bit younger than I am, but think about it. Oh, I don't know. No, well, I'm 52. Well, all right. That's So you're 22 years younger than me. Same, <laughs> as, same as Michelle. Um, think about this. If you saw, I mean, I play tennis with people literally from age 12 to 87. I have tennis partners and they're all all in my group. And I can't tell you how many older people I've seen, not so much in the tennis group, who are fading away, starting in their 50s, sometimes in their 40s. When I was traveling around the country doing morning television shows, talking about the great cholesterol myth, I met a lot of Uber drivers. They find out I'm a nutritionist going on morning television. The first thing they say is, Doc, what can I do? Mm. And I'm talking to guys have no libido mm. in their 30s. Mm. I had a guy, I am telling you the God's honest truth, who told me I had to fake an orgasm with my girlfriend because I didn't have the stamina to continue. Wow. I talked to guys who are like, what? I'm gaining some weight here, and you see them in their lot and they're sitting in the car all day, and, they, and they're drinking soda. They don't know what to do, nope. and they're dying. They're dying so deaths, and, and, and it's a very grim future. So I'm looking over here, looking at what I do. And what i've done and remember i was a drug addict i was an alcoholic i didn't start taking healthy foods i was 38 that's when i started and i look at the result the result being how i feel now at 74 and i go How can you not have passion about telling people about that? Yeah. What a difference it can make. I'm on the other side of 50 and I'm telling you, dude, it's worth doing. I'm kind of like the person who has been saving a little money every week, just $5, but it's been compounding interest. And you're trying to talk to a 20 year old and saying, just save a little money every week. You'll be a millionaire when you're 60 and they can't get it. How passionate would you be about getting that information? When you stare
0: death in the face, when you have a near-death experience, guess what? You're going to be that much more passionate about telling people what to do to save their lives. Some people will get it and will receive it. Some people will wish they got it earlier, but just keep on sharing it because that's what we need in this world. So- I honor you, Johnny, you're one of my heroes. Thank you so much. I can't wait to download your report and to get this out to all of our audience and to also pick up a copy of your book because this is maybe one of the most confusing topics I think for people. And I know that you've outlined it in a way that everybody can understand. So thank
1: thank you. you for all you do. You're welcome.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag, R-F-Y-B-L for recipes for your best life. I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.